Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. Bobby is the Senior Director of Topica EdTech Group and one of the co-directors of the Topica Founder Institute. Bobby, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm good. You sound So we had a big awesome. day yesterday. Yeah. yeah t- we had a big day yesterday, so we're going to talk a little bit about that later. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, yeah. So Go t- ahead and ask your questions. Yeah. So you're from Singapore originally, but you haven't lived there in a while, right? You're based in Vietnam, but it's never been clear to me whether you're based in Hanoi, in Ho Chi Minh. I'm just not sure. So why don't you tell me that first? Okay. So I was born and raised in Singapore. I left in my early 20s. Uh been traveling around pretty much. Uh, well, I've lived in six different countries. Uh Obviously, Vietnam is the last place. I moved here. Well, my per- my permanent place is in Hanoi. It is okay. Uh, yeah, and that was after uh, making making the uh, de- de- uh, decision to move to Vietnam about ten years ago. And I was first in Ho Chi Minh City for about ten months. And I thought, you know, if I'm going to be in Vietnam, then I got to understand Vietnam as a country and not as a city in Ho Chi Minh City. Interesting. So, um, so yeah, so I thought, all right, let me, you know, venture up north and see, you know, what, what the north is all about. Given that, you know, everyone, you know, says that, you know, the north and south are so different. Um, so yeah, so I moved up here and never left. Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show. You know, often I get asked this question, you know, which one do I prefer and all that stuff. So I've done also, I've, actually spent quite a bit of time in Ho Chi Minh before, you know, my prior business. And Ho Chi Minh was great uh, in its early days. And But, you know, Ho Chi Minh City is a metropolitan city, um, not much different from any other, you know, up-and-coming city. Yeah. And But Hanoi has a lot of uh, uniqueness, uh, character, uh, very authentic, you know, to the Vietnamese culture. And this is something that I like. I like to wake up every day knowing that, you know, I'm, I'm a guest of the country and that, you know, I'm always on my toes. So, yeah. So tell me this though, you've lived in multiple countries, right? Without going through all of them, although I'm sure that's super interesting as well. When you went to Vietnam, what was the idea? Was it to start that original business that you started there? Um, you know, the hub IT business, was it just to be, contrarian and just different than everybody else? Because back then, 10 years ago, 2007, there definitely weren't a lot of foreigners going to Vietnam yet, particularly to start businesses in the startup space and co-working spaces like that. Unless I'm wrong, right? I could be. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. why Vietnam? Okay. Why did you start Okay. <clears throat> All right. So I have to break the Vietnam story into two parts. Go for it. Right. Um, all right. So quickly, I'll just run through the countries that I've lived in. Okay. All right. So of course, you know, um, okay. From Singapore, I left and went to Hong Kong, uh, follow Hong Kong. And I was in Europe for six months. And then I was in New York for six years. Oh, wow. And then I was in Papua New Guinea for two years and then Vietnam. So the story is this, right? Um, so I was in Papua New Guinea and of all the hobbies that of and sports that I can pick up, I picked up golf. And I got hooked, like from literally the first shot. And so I was, so I was thinking, so after my two years, I was thinking, all right, let me go back to, to the US and join a golf school. Okay. And then a friend of mine happened to be posted to Vietnam, uh, in Ho Chi Minh City. So he said, all right, you know, come visit me. Let's play a few rounds of golf before you head back to the US. <laughs> uh, which was, you know, the usual thing to do, right? Sure. 
And, but when I landed in Vietnam, I never left. Really? Because so, so Vietnam, less I guess, like the rest of Asia, is filled with great golf courses. I did not know that. Well, at that time when I when I went to Vietnam, uh, it had probably, if my memory serves me right, at that time, and that was about twenty years ago. Vietnam already had about six, seven golf courses. Okay, so not that many. Not that many today. Uh, it's more than forty. So there's this explosion, right? Yeah, wow. Uh, but of course, you know, nothing compared to, to Thailand where you have 80 just around ba- Bangkok. Right, right? and it's just so, gone I mean, everywhere. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so basically, I, you know, I came, came, uh, came here, uh, just for a vacation. And like I said, and, and that's the pat, that has been the pattern in the last few countries that I was in. Same thing with New York. I went to visit my sister in Ohio. Left. I went to New York to visit a friend before heading back to Singapore, and I stayed six years. Yeah, and I went to Papua New Guinea for a project for three months, and I ended up living there for two years. Got it. And um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, for a Singaporean, and back in you know in the late eighties, early nineties, for someone to sort of just you know, take off and go, which is something quite. I think not common. No, very rare. That's you know. the reason why I wanted to go through this, right? Because I think it is very rare, and it's indicative of the, your type of personality. Just looking for something new, always looking for like a new horizon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, so you know, in in Vietnam, and uh, so managed to get a job for two years, and and lo and behold, the two years span was the time when everyone in Southeast Asia was recovering from the financial crisis, and I'm sure you remember that period of Very time. Well. Yeah, so that g- gave me two good years to sort of slowly understand, you know, the the the, the nuances of yeah, uh, in a new country. Um, and so thereafter, I started my business in golf apparel, um, designing golf apparel because I hated, you know, the apparel at that time. You know, it was Ashworth, Pringle, and they're meant for like old men. Yeah. And so I so and it helped because you know Tiger was just came came in, you know. In, into the market. So every, so, you know, you have this explosion of young golfers, you know, the, the, the twenties and all that stuff. So I was, you know, so, and then using my experience from previous, you know, uh, fashion business and, uh, uh, sort of adopting that and into my design. So I had that for about 10, uh, about nine. So I started 1999. So eight years later, I sold the business 07 and the manufacturing, 90% of the manufacturing was in Ho Chi Minh City, where I had a workshop and I worked with the factory as well. And that, you know, basically showed me a lot more about the uh, uh, workings of Vietnam. Yeah. Um, right. So as an entrepreneur. So when I saw the business in 07, uh, you know, and, and so at that time, my base was supposedly in Singapore, but I was also spending a lot of time in, in Ho Chi Minh City. Right. And that's why, you know, uh, that, that, Basically gave me the uh, familiarity, and uh, yeah. So 07 moved back, and so th- there was so that that starts the second part of uh, the story for Vietnam. So 07, you know, made uh, a, a decision to say, all right, let me move to Vietnam. Uh, obviously, chose uh, Ho Chi Minh City, but ten months later, moved to Hanoi, and yeah, the rest is history. And so. All right. So fast forward. So in between, I was, you know, basically doing some freelance work, um, freelance design work, uh, just sort of, you know, trying to figure out, you know, what's, what's the next, uh, next big thing for me. And, um, so 
Okay, so basically, before I jump into this hub IT co-working space, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so between, so back in 1999, it was either doing my golf apparel business or actually launching a dot com business. <laughs> I swear, I swear, I'm I'm not pulling this out. No, my ass. it's two different. It's which is <laughs> which is amazing, right? Because it's two completely different things. One is just like a hard goods business where yeah. people come in, they're different sizes. It's really right. Yeah, and you're designing it all yourself, and you're trying to deal with a secular trend, though, of yeah. Tiger Woods starting to dominate the global golf scene. Sure. In a way, it's kind of similar, right? Because you're just trying to find out what the dominant secular trend is. Right. Okay. So basically, back then, um, you know, so you've got this whole internet thing coming, right? Late 90s, you know, early 2000. Yep. And in Vietnam, basically, if you... Do a search on Vietnam. You find places like Kuchitano, Sapa, Halombe. You know, these are the three main, you know, uh, yeah, uh, attractions for, for any tourists coming here. Yep. But there wasn't one website that focused on the nightlife. So I wanted to do something that focused on city life, right? Because you have, you know, great bars, restaurants, parks that, you know, uh, that's, that, that, that was started back then. And, uh, and some closed early and restarted and some just, you know, continue on and build a legacy. And I thought, you know, that would be something that would be kind of interesting for people coming to Vietnam, right? Instead of just going to all these, uh, touristy places. Um, but remember back in those days, in dot com days, it's like, if you don't, if you don't even know how to code, you can't even do a bobby.com. No, alone. couldn't do it. I, I mean, do. there were some service, there were some software front page and all this other stuff, but. Boy, it yeah. was really hard to use. I, tr- I tried okay. all of it, yeah. And if you didn't right, know exactly. HTML and couldn't code HTML, you were out of luck, basically. Exactly, right. So anyway, so I had the idea. Okay, funny that you mentioned front page. That's what I did. I used front page to build a static site as my sample page and show it to some people. And I got three hotels willing to pay me $1,000. <laughs> okay, remember, that was 20 years ago. $1,000 a month to be listed on the site. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah, no, yeah, no joke. And so they say, oh, you know, all this booking. And back then there wasn't really a booking engine for hotels. No, because it did like the back end didn't exist. People right. don't understand so it's not that, that easy. Yeah. Right. So I told them that, look, you can, you know, people will book, but they're not going to book under me because I, you know, I'm not going to operate a call center and, and fill the booking, you know. So at least back then I, I, you know, I, I, I understand enough to know that, you know, you know, I'm able to do a page and say, for example, Sheraton Hotel, right? Yep. Anyone that fills up that page, that email will actually go to Sheraton Hotel, for example, and then to me. So I know that there's booking going on. Then, you know, in the back end, I can, you know, do some manual uh, uh, invoicing, right? So great. They love the idea, everything. So the, the whole booking thing, you know, is still s- sort of at least uh, – on the web, you know, it shows that it's a, a direct booking to, to, to the hotel. So they all like it, you know, liked it. So great. So I met this guy, um, who's an, uh, who's a programmer and said, Hey, listen, come talk to my boss, you know, uh, and, uh, cause he works for this, uh, software company. So I went and he liked the idea and he wanted to invest $250,000. That's a lot of money back then. Yeah, he actually asked me how much. I mean, I pulled the number out, out of my ass. Really. Yeah, fair enough. I was like, yeah, this is this, this, uh, 250,000. And he said, yeah, sure, let's do this. Right. And he said, how much is for, you know, uh, for, for, for hiring of people? And it's okay. So that took care of that. 
and I got cold feet. Oh no! What year was that, Bobby? Tell me again. What year? 1999. There was so it was toggling between these two, right?、Oh. So I developed that in 98 and 99.、Uh, I started the clothing business, but then I got cold feet simply because. Yeah, go ahead. Simply because I was dealing with 20 engineers, and I'm the only one that's doing the selling. So, you know, against the a backdrop, you know, of、uh, you know computer programming, you know, I I just you know I just felt you know I I, I wasn't able to sort of you know、um, have any、uh, big impact other than you know with in, the, the core idea, right? And at the same time, I just didn't. Quite, I didn't feel quite comfortable in dealing with that company, right? Just something just didn't quite, you know, sit quite right. Did you have a name、uh, of the company? Yeah, just got a curiosity.、Um, I, okay, it's still something. I cannot remember the full name.、Uh, I don't think they're around anymore. Oh, but so somebody actually did that, but they just did it without you.、Uh, I, that's what I was afraid of. Yeah. Yeah, you know. So, and even before that, I actually had registered things like go to Saigon City, go to Hanoi City, go to Manila City, go to Asian cities. I had all the domains all lined up,、hmm. right? So,、uh, yeah. So, but anyway, in a cut long story short,、uh, went into golf business, and that was basically a passion.、Um, and yeah, and then、um, so, so coming back to this decade, right? And then I think it was around 2009, 2010, yeah, when Singapore started pushing for you know all this innovation, startup ecosystem, so on and so forth, you know, against the backdrop of what Silicon Valley you know was doing, right. And I thought, all right, you know what? I think this is, you know, this is the path forward for Vietnam, right. And then I was, but I didn't know what I was doing. And, and what I wanted to do, I just knew that I had to be in this sector, right? So of course,、uh, then you know I started attending you know all these startup events and all that. And back then, you know, you could spend five thousand dollars and and get ten percent of a startup or whatever, right? Yeah, it was cheap back then for sure. Yeah. So, but investment has never been the forefront of why I like this thing. Why? Okay. So so the the, the fixation with this whole startup thing is the fact that you know, you are. You you are actually allowed to tinker with idea, help people build the idea, and and you know moving forward, and that's that's been my core interest, anyways, right? And then、uh, running a business, you know, I will leave it to the professionals to run, but to to just you know initiate and 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 shape the idea, you know, is to me that's that's、uh, that's more captivating, right? So can I ask you? Can I can I ask you this question? Do you mind? Sure. So after you have this opportunity where someone says this, because this is really fascinating for me, someone says they're going to invest two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. You'll have to manage, pick a number, ten, fifteen, twenty engineers. It's a daunting task, right? And in the end,、mm-hmm. you just say, you know what, I'm not going to do this, which is fine.、Yeah. Everybody makes decisions, and we don't look backwards and have regrets. But does、yeah. it tell you? Does it give you insight that you probably maintain until today? But particularly back in two thousand ten, eleven, and twelve, when sort of the startup. Scenes across Southeast Asia were really starting to bubble up. When you looked at entrepreneurs, could you tell、mm-hmm. the ones, just based on your own experience, could you tell the ones that were, you know, going to follow through? Like, what did you learn in that process of yourself getting the idea, building the idea, convincing people that it was good, right? And then watching、mm-hmm. other 
entrepreneurs, which you do all the time, you know, at Hub IT mm-hmm. and, and yep. in your other places, what did you learn about that? How did you then be able to determine when you find somebody or meet somebody, okay, this lady's just going to kill it kind of thing? Like, how do you know? Um, there's no textbook that can teach you that. Right. But just from I your think, own experience, though, right? Right. So it's, I think it's got a lot to do with, you know, just going through all the hard knocks that life, you know, presents to you. Uh, I mean, uh, I've, I've lost money, you know, I've got cheated as well in, we all in have. my younger days, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and venturing into something that, you know, you probably shouldn't have and not really listening to, you know, some, some advice, um, you know, that, that, uh, some, 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 um, older people give to you or more experienced people sure. that give to you. And yeah, you just kind of learn from there and, and all these layers start building. I mean, it's not something that you could read a book and, and, or listen to someone and say that, all right, this is what I'm going to do. Because, you know, for me, I trust a lot, you know, in, in my gut's instinct. Yep. I think in, in previous conversations, you know, we talked a lot about that as well. Yeah, you feel, you know, right? it's just, it's, it's just about, you know, the moment you sit down for a coffee and you know, you know, where this relationship is going to go. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, look, I, we met two years ago and we probably spoke five times. Yeah. But our relationship is, is almost like we have spoken to each other every day. It feels like it, doesn't it? We always say right? that and it feels like that to me still. Yeah, I agree yeah. with you completely. I, right. I don't mind the gap in time. It doesn't yeah. change anything about the way I feel. And I think that was, remember, remember when we sat down at Echelon in, um, in Bangkok? Yeah. We were right. just, both of us were just kind of milling around looking for people. We just sat and said, started talking, what are you doing? What are you doing? And that was it. And that's really all yeah. it took, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. So I think a lot, and, and I think over the years, uh, this, this gut feel, you know, um, just gets honed and sharpened and, you know, you just kind of know, right. And, and, you know, obviously at that point when I turned, you know, the, the offer down, you know, it was, uh, um, it wasn't something that I, I would say consciously knew about this, right. but I just went with how I felt. And, but, you know, looking back, you know, it was something that, uh, I didn't regret. No, uh, not for any reason, no, whatever. And, and the fact that, you know, some people ask me, you know, but walking away from, you know, a $250,000 investment and I'm like, to me, you know, it, it didn't mean anything because it's not in my hand. Number one, you know, uh, that, that would have been the product of an agreement to, to doing some business. Right. But until that happens, you know, walking away, I'm not losing anything. No, not at all. Right. And it's so funny yeah. the way people's perceptions about, you know, we, t- we've spoken about this before, but I want to go on record as saying it again, right? Raising money at any stage is not, is not, it's not an end goal at any level. It's a nice thing, but it's not really a gigantic accomplishment. Building a big business maybe is, or doing something transformational is, but money, as you found out back then, first of all, it's somebody else's money and you're not going to pay it all to yourself. But second of all, it's mm-hmm. a commodity. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't think anybody ever regrets that. Definitely no one like you are is going to regret, oh, I didn't take that money. Yeah. It doesn't matter in that sense. Yeah. Right. So, um, and, and that, that pretty much, you know, sort of shaped the way I look at tech startup today. Yeah. I'm sure right? I would. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and, and that's why, you know, I didn't want to go into, uh, investment, right. even though it was cheap back then. Yeah, yeah. So for me, it's really about learning something, uh, right 
to the core of it. So I was curious to understanding what this whole ecosystem is all about. Right. And obviously, you know, at that time, uh, you know, there was this, this, uh, rise of co-working spaces. And for me, I'm, I'm pretty much a, uh, cafe warrior, right? <laughs> yeah, I know that. So, much. so yeah. So, so this whole concept of co-working spaces, com- communal bu- building, okay, really fit into this niche that I feel very comfortable with. Yeah. Right. And then I realized that, okay, basically when you have that space, that's where it energized, you know, the, 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 I guess the whole vertical. And that's where you, you know, it, and, and if you're able to, to, to create great energy from within, then you're able to attract people to come into that. Yeah. So rather than me hunting down 10 people to learn 10 different things, I have one place to attract the 10 people to come to my space. What a great thing, right? I mean, I've, I've worked in co-working spaces. I've rented offices there. And I'll tell yeah. you what, you know, if you walk around the offices of Morgan Stanley or Goldman Sachs, which I have done, and you just like try to talk to other people, you really only end up learning a little bit more about you, what you already knew because you're dealing with it every day. Right. In a co-working space, I used to just literally walk around and knock on someone's door and say, what do you guys do? And it's like real estate or it's warehousing or we're starting up a grocery shop. Like uh-huh. it's just amazing stuff. Yeah. And I learned and, so much there. Yeah. And you end up standing there or sitting down listening to them for two hours. Yeah. And then you realize that, my God, you know, things that you, you, you would have actually spent four or five years to learn, you pretty much understood in two hours. Right. Because that, because that guy or that gal is actually pretty good at his thing or her thing. And they just tell you what it is and they're happy to do it. Right. Right. You know, and, and that also taught me a lesson, right? Uh, which is, okay, if, if you truly understand what you want to do, you know, in three to five sentences, you're able to encapsulate the entire ideal. Yeah, you should be able to explain it. I, I, you know, I have a view on this as well, which I won't go into now. But yeah, I think like it shouldn't take you more than like 30 or 40 minutes to explain something that maybe, like you said, it should take you five years to learn at university because you're just learning it all at once and you're, as you say, distilling it down to its like component and core points, right? Right. And, 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 you know, and the few good people that you come across actually take the time to answer your question, no matter yeah. how stupid they may sound. But if they take the time to, to explain to you and make you smarter, then I think it's also uh, imbued in us to doing something similar to all the young entrepreneurs. Absolutely. So, so basically, I'm sort of learned, I, I kind of learned the old school of community building. Mm. Right. So that helped. And, and yeah, so basically the space was open and, and, you know, people say, Oh, let's do this. Let's do that. And, and say, so, yeah, you know, when, so my question is always when, right. you know, it's never like, why? Right. It's just like, sure, let's do, I'll do that. Just tell me when, yeah, when, yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, and there was not even thinking about, you know, uh, what's my, you know, uh, what's my gate going to be, you know, so on and so forth. I just know that what, if I just say yes, I'm going to gain. I don't know what, but I, I just know I'm going to gain, you know, regardless of what the subject matter is. Right. So, um, yeah. So it was the first space in, in, uh, that's tech focus in, in, in Hanoi. Yeah. Wow. Um, and so then, uh, so yeah. So basically the circle expanded and I got to know the, uh, Topica Founder Institute people. Uh, and they say, Hey, listen, can I use your space to, to doing the program and all that stuff? I said, yeah, sure. Um, and so I didn't even 
know that it's actually a semester worth of program. I thought it was a one day thing, right? And, but later on when I found out it was a semester thing that took up four months, right? Every week. And basically what happened was come that day when I was supposed to do the program, I just hand the key over to them and said, okay, lock up when you leave. So it was that kind of openness, right? And that sort of propelled the, the founder of Topica to say, you know what? Why don't we do th- things together? Right. And that culminated to the acquisition two years ago. So what exactly is, can you, let's do this in two pieces, right? Because okay. I think there are some people out there still who may not understand exactly what Founder Institute does. Okay. Okay. So you were, they were, Topica was doing the Founder Institute stuff. They came to your space to do it. You were saying you didn't realize it was like a three or four month program. You thought it was kind of a one day thing where they stood up in front of people and said, here's what X is. Right. And you probably weren't even sure what that was, but do you want to just explain for people what exactly the Founder Institute is for some of the listeners maybe that aren't as experienced as you are? Okay. All right. So Founder Institute is a global uh, pre-accelerator. I call it pre-accelerator because they're taking founders with idea, uh, ideation, idea, moving them to, uh, you know, uh, over three, four months. And usually most of the founders that finish the program would have already launched a product into market and MVP, so to speak. Got it. Um, yeah. So, uh, the, the founder institute originated in Silicon Valley, um, back in 2009. Okay. Topica, uh, took on to running the program. In Vietnam in 2011. Okay, so not that and, long after its founding. Yeah, so and so it was really early on, um, scrappy, you know, uh, and and back even back then, uh, for example, uh, the the GP for Golden Gate Ventures, yep. Jeff Payne, actually ran the program in in Singapore. So I think he was the first one in Southeast Asia to 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 run the program. I think you're right. So I heard of the program before. And, um, and yeah, so, you know, so I did some checks and all that prior to that. And I was looking at startup program and I found Founder Institute. I thought it was kind of, you know, neat and all that. Right. And then, uh, yeah, then I got to know, uh, Topica who ran the program and we started collaborating and became a resident mentor for two years. Uh, and then, uh, prior to the acquisition. So, um, so it's, yeah. So like I said, yeah, so. Globally, it's got 150, uh, 150 cities running similar programs. And I think the strength of, yeah, so I, the strength of FI is really the global network that it has. And I've, uh, seen it, uh, with, with our alumni who got help from the, uh, global partners and be able to, you know, scale and grow the, uh, the businesses. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And okay. So. Topica is an attack group, so it runs uh, uh, online prog- uh, online education programs, uh, three uh, in three products: uh, university uh, degree. Um, we have a native English tutoring and a short course program called Edumore. And is that all online? All online, yes. So there are no physical places where people go to learn, or there's some? Is it some mix? No. Uh, okay. For the uni program is 95% online. Got it. 5%, uh, that's on-site is from the, uh, the, um, yearly pottering of the program. Got it. Yeah. Okay. And what's, so what do you do there? So after building Hub IT and after kind of getting associated with the Topica, <clears throat> how have you sort of taken all the experience there and, and integrated into what Topica is doing? What exactly, what kind of role do you play there? 
Okay, so at Hub IT, uh, through through a VC friend, we started a an incubator, right at uh, at Hub IT. Oh, so okay, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't so yeah, so some startups come through the program, be it six months, nine months, a year. We basically help them connect them to to the Singapore ecosystem. You know, different people. Um, so basically, you know, it's open ended, right? We we just build whatever we need to build and the time that's that's needed to build. And so accelerator program is more, uh, time based, right? Yeah. And you got to come into the program with very specific goals in what you want to do, right? Yep. So, uh, so at FI, so the specific goal really is to just build the product into market. Right, right, right. Right. So along the way, you gain some early traction, you know, so on and so forth. But really, you know, it's, it's almost like a lean startup, uh, concept that stretch over four months. Okay. And, right. and what, like, so these accelerator programs and the incubator programs, right, they're really interesting in the end. And like, what's the feedback that you get from the companies that come out of it and that, that not, not succeed? Cause there's no really success or failure, right? It's really just learning. Mm-hmm. But what's the kind of best feedback that you get from some of the companies that go through the program? Like what exactly are they learning when they come out? They must be much better than when they came in. Yeah. Um, yeah, most of them did. Uh, and I think the one, one thing, one of the most common things that they mention is the network that we provide. Yeah, fair enough. So we, yeah, so for the entire cohort of, uh, uh, mentoring, we use two thirds come from, uh, Vietnam, uh, consisting of, uh, established founders, uh, could be CEO of companies, banks, so on and so forth. Right. And one third come from the region. And a big portion of the wanted are actually VCs, right? So in the last three, four years where you see more and more VCs, you know, uh, being established in Singapore. So most of them do come to Vietnam now. So we get uh, a lot of exposure, uh, uh, for, uh, for the cohort, for the startups. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's the, you know, uh, biggest praise, I suppose, uh, of, of the program that we have. Uh, which is, I guess, no, um, yeah, I think most accelerators also have the kind of a network, you know, uh, and, uh, but more from a semester standpoint, I think it really clearly illustrates to them how they're able to build a product, you know, quick enough to build it or kill it and then rebuild it again. Right. I mean, that's right? that, that's that iterative process, right? That a lot of startups have to learn how to go through. Right. Correct. So a lot of accelerators, they, uh, they do, uh, they, well, startups go to accelerators kind of at a later stage. Yeah. And, and that's when, you know, it's harder for them to, um, you know, uh, yeah, iterate further or change course. Right. Right. But we are at a fairly early stage and a lot of times, uh, you know, we cover a lot of, um, research projects, right? Uh, someone could be doing a survey in 48 hours with a thousand people. Right. Yeah. How do you do that? You know, and, and, you know, prior to, to doing that, you know, it's, it's unimaginable to them that they can reach a thousand people in 48 hours. Right. But the, you the, know, the network lets you do that though, right? Right. And, and it's proven that it's really not impossible. No, it, right. It's not actually. Right. And, and, you know, and, and, you know, for example, the, uh, the other exercise, you know, we get them to do is talk to a hundred people that you do not know. You know, that really, you know, forced the founders to go to the streets, literally, and start interviewing people. 
it's so weird. Like I do, you know, you know my personality. I mean, I probably spoke yeah. to a hundred people last week that I didn't know. It's a bit of an exaggeration, yeah. but it's a hard thing to do for people that aren't used to it. But it's a great sales tool. It's a great way to get comfortable. No, it is. Strangers. It's really important, actually, particularly if you're building something. It turns out that most people don't know how to do that. And you can say most tech people don't know how to do it, but I would make the case that most people don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's different from, say, all right, yourself or myself, where somebody may refer some other people to us. Right. All right. We may not know them before, but it's through a referral. Yep. So at least that, that sort of, you know, break the ice. Right. But. What if you have to stand on the street on, on circumvent, you know, 20 and talk to a, a hundred times? Yeah, that's hard that's for just, most people to do. That's, really that's just walk, you know, walking by, you know, the, the second before they talk to you, they have no idea they're going to meet you. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're talking about what you're trying to build. Are they going to use a product? How do you, how do you do, you know, how, how do you have the opening line yeah. to even get them interested to spend 10 seconds with you, let yeah. alone 10 minutes? Right. Right. So, um, and then a lot of times, if you don't sort of force them to doing this, right, uh, they won't. And because of that, founders spend a lot more time validating the product. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about my behavior and how I just go out and engage people. I think it's genetic to a certain extent, but you're right. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not doing that, you know, it gets back to something you talked about earlier. If you just don't have the balls to to do that, right, or just the guts to do it, it's going to be yeah. hard to build the rest of your business because if you're doing something that you think is new and transformational, yeah. you're yeah. going to run into a whole bunch of people that don't understand what you're doing. I mean, you know, right. we talk about all these big businesses. It's like, so I sit in my living room and I press a few buttons and a car shows up downstairs. I, I yeah. don't believe that that's really good. That doesn't make any sense to me. And most right. people don't take the time to either, A, explain more, or B, ask more questions on the other side. And you have to, the other thing it does is the startup game, like the investment game, like the dating game is just filled with rejection. Yeah. And it's another way to get used to that as well. I'm guessing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it could be eating on the street, you know, lunchtime and you get people coming up to you asking if you want, you know, some shoe polish or whatever. Yep. Right. It happens in New these York. Are the guys, everywhere. Yeah. So these are the guys that are hustling. Yeah. I love it. And you don't see too many of these so-called founders. They're hustling like the way they hustle. Or you go to shopping mall, right? You see guys, you know, you see girls or guys, whatever, squirting perfume, asking, you know, trying to promote something. <laughs> that is a freaking hard thing to do. It's really hard. Like there's a, there's a, there's a special place in my heart for people that like do that job that nobody else wants to do. But that's the founder's job. That's like the startup founder. That is the job that nobody else wants to do. It looks really cool on TV. Yeah. But building something you know, transformational new is really hard. Exactly. You know, so last, last year, uh, around November, I was in Korea. So I was walking through, you know, the subway in Korea, right? Yep. They have all the shops and all that. And you have ladies outside the shop, you know, basically peddling what, what, uh, what they're selling. And, you know, they're just talking to almost like no one because right. pretty much no one is listening. Yeah. But imagine you're doing that eight hours a day, seven days a week. Right. You know, and I just wish, you know, I could get a bunch of founders, put them there and look at them. Yeah. Just go try to and sell just perfume. Put one hour. Just do that one hour. I tell you their whole life will change. Right. Everything they do after that's easy. <laughs> yeah. I know. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, so there are a lot of things that, you know, we can fix, you know, within, you know, the, 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 our, you know, unique Southeast Asian ecosystem. So, right? t- so tell me, tell me about change, right? So, 
I mean, I don't want to go all the way back to 1999 because the the, the answers yeah. are obvious. What the difference is between 99 today? Not you know the technology yeah. stacks are different. Everything's different, right? Sure. But yeah. how about just from the founding of Hub IT, like 2013 to today? I mean, it's almost five years ago. And to mm-hmm. me, remember, I I've been coming to Southeast Asia since 1998, living in Asia since 1990. But living yeah. in Bangkok only really since the end of 2011, beginning of 2012, and I feel like I'm living in a completely different world than what existed when I arrived. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So even if you think about like the e-commerce business had nobody in it in 2012, and now it has 2,500 people in it regionally. So things change, and they change really quickly. But yeah. in Hanoi, and even in Ho Chi Minh, like what's, what do you think are like the biggest thematic changes Right? Like how much more developed has this sort of, you know, the tech startup stuff in those cities changed? Um, okay. The biggest change is when I started in, um, well, with the co-working space and, yep. and incubator, um, we get founders that are very insistent on only developing in the Vietnam ecosystem. Ah, right. Fair enough. And, and not, you know, not wanting to go out. And, and I don't blame them, right? Because nobody came in to tell them that you can actually leave the country. Yeah, and exactly. Nobody some great shit. that part of the deal. Exactly. Right. And also, you know, there's this language barrier, right? Yep. And I would say within a short space of even three years, all of a sudden they realize that, you know, they can actually, you know, go out and do great stuff if they have a great product to offer, right? And I think regional events like Echelon, you know, and, and most recently Texas and all that really open up, you know, opportunities, you know, and, and I see, you know, uh, Vietnamese founders or entrepreneurs going out in droves, attending all these events where previously, you know, they wouldn't. That's a big, you know, that they're is like, a big oh, change actually. Sorry, that's a big ahead. change. Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, you know, in, in, in the past it was like, oh yeah, I have to spend $300. There's too much money and all that stuff. So. Anyway, I was able to hustle, uh, Ashlon to, to g- g- give me some great deals. So the first year back in 2014, I brought a group of, I think it was maybe 15 or 15 or 18 guys to go attend, right? And the following year, 2015, we had 35. Yeah. So, and, and the deal you had was probably different the second year than the first year, but that's a really smart thing to do, right? Right. So yeah. So. By then, you get people actually paying two, three hundred dollars to go attend because right. they realize that it's a small investment, you know, to the gains that they're gonna have, the contacts and everything else. So, and then and I see that I, you know, so now today the Vietnamese entrepreneurs, when they build their products, they actually have an eye on the region. They understand that the you know the the, the entire Southeast Asia is the marketplace. Yeah, it is. It's right. it's great. They learned it quickly, right? Right. And Vietnam is just a place for them to tinker with the product, build something that's solid enough to go into market, but yet flexible enough to change and localize it in different countries like Thailand, Indonesia, so on and so forth. Right. Right. Uh, five years ago, everyone is looking to S- Silicon Valley. They're, you know, that's like the promised land, right? Today, if you talk, to, uh, talk you know, talk to any founders, you know, they don't really look at Silicon Valley. They will learn lessons from there, but that is not where the promised land is. Yeah, it shouldn't be. Yeah, 
you know, it shouldn't so, be. Look, we, you know, I mean, and again, not to plug this, but like, you know, we just put out a report that's called Asia Matters, and mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. we we really strongly believe, and you know, I've believed this for a while now, but we've finally put numbers and a story around it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to go to Silicon Valley anymore to build a world transformational company. It's just not necessary. Yeah, and I think what a lot of people are finding is if they do go there they actually lose a little bit of momentum in the markets that they really want to address and actually are best set up to address as well. Right. Right. So it's good to always go just to learn the lessons, right? Because the opportunities here are just like, you know, uh, like tremendous. Yep. I, I could, you know, I agree completely. Right. All right. So last night I, re- I read this article on, uh, on Forbes. So this guy wrote on ad tech. Essentially he, he uh, he said that for up to 2020, the market size of ad tech is 252 billion. Billion dollars, yep. Yeah, you know, and we are only touching less than 5% of the potential. You know, so there is definitely a lot of, uh, opportunities in, in Southeast Asia and, and, um, and I think the entire ecosystem Thailand, Indonesia, Vietnam, then of course, you know, Singapore is sort of kind of leading in that sense, you know, mm. through a lot of, uh, you know, innovative frontier tech development. Um, and, and collectively, I think it is matured, uh, far greater than what we thought it would be five years ago. And I think, you know, this augurs really well for, for, you know, the next five years or 10 years. And, you know, people are more grounded, uh, in terms of, uh, expectations. Um, I, I you know, I, I think they have a much, uh, more pragmatic view in what they're building and how they're able to build it. Uh, more money is flowing into Southeast Asia, uh, be it the gateway to China or, or just capturing, you know, the, the 600 million, you know, populace. Uh, whatever it is, I think the, the trajectory is going in the right direction. Um, I'll give you an example. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, right? Five years ago, you probably have two e-commerce, right? And it took a few years for them to build something like this. Yep. Two years ago, you know, with the intro- introduction of ICO, it didn't take, it didn't take more, you know, more than six months for some other, you know, uh, companies to, to start offering ICO. The understanding, the, 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 the access to information knowledge is out there. Yeah. And I mean, a good still- example. Yeah, a good example is Omise, right? Yep, I think example. they were right. Yeah, they, they were probably the first 10 companies, you know, globally to actually um, issue ICO. Yep, and also one of the biggest market caps for their ICO. Still and now they have about $1.8 billion. So, yeah, it's a big right. deal. Right. So, in the past, you would have probably taken them three, four years or even five years. Just to before, catch up and understand that, it, much less do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But now, it's like within, you know, six months, they're able to... to to, you know, getting something done. This is because, you know, the, the attention, you know, that's now diverted to Southeast Asia. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and moving forward, uh, you know, as a, as a region, I think, you know, we need to re-examine and say, all right, you know, what are the values that we can have and develop so that, you know, we can be unique and that, uh, and because of a uniqueness become competitive. Yeah, I mean, there's a <clears throat> there's a lot of data that we've published out there that says we're definitely unique and we're definitely way more competitive than most people think we are. And, 
you know, Indonesia, China, Vietnam, Malaysia, Singapore, Thailand, you name it, India. I mean, I was in India in December. It's insane what's going on there. It's just things are moving so fast and people are really into it um, in a way that I think the rest of the world outside this region doesn't really understand. Mm -hmm. So, So we've been hinting at it a lot since we started talking, but what did you do last night? Oh, so <laughs> last so night long ago, you had, forgot. Uh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Look, this happens with you. Every time you talk. I know, it goes views off. <laughs> yeah. views off. I know. Okay, so last time we had a demo day for our batch 6 TFI. Um, and yeah, so from 38th uh, original founders, and we had uh, final 12 that finished the entire program. Wow. Um, yeah, so, so, so that's, uh, yeah, so there's a big load off my shoulder for, 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 for the last batch and now looking forward to starting the next batch. And why it's a big thing because, um, we had some, uh, well, we had, I think 30, last count was, I don't know, maybe 30, 32 VCs that came. Uh, and, but before that, um, we actually had an arrangement. So I think for the next batch, things will be a bit different because we, uh, there's a VC that actually want to provide some funding for our graduates. So that's, a, that's big news. And it's probably the first in, in the FI global program whereby, uh, graduates of FI get funding right at the end. Wow. Congratulations. And in Vietnam. Yeah. That's thanks. great work, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and in Vietnam, yeah. So it's you know, in, in terms of you know startup stage, I think FI gives them a lo- uh, lots of uh, low hanging fruit opportunities, and I think it's a smart thing to do. Awesome. Look, before yeah. I let you go, I want to touch on one other thing because you worked on a gigantic project last year. I mean, you're always working on something big, but you worked on mm-hmm. something gigantic at sort of the end of last year in November. Do you want to talk a little bit about? the massive tech event you put on there. And I'm curious as well for people to understand what the government's sort of involvement was and how hard that was to do and just how, you know, enjoyable it was to pull that whole event off. Okay. So, um, so along with, and you know, so everything is all, you know, matched up, right? Yep. One thing leading to the next. And, after okay, after Hub IT and then attending all these tech events, conferences, and I see that there are a lot of other conferences in Vietnam, but they are very vertical focused. For example, for example, we have Mobile Day, we have uh, e-commerce day, we have this and that, right? But each of these um, vertical event attracts very little people, and there was and it was not able and and they were not able to attract. Uh, regional players, right? Yeah, that's simply hard. because if I if I'm not into e-commerce, I won't come. Right? Why am I going? But then, just because I'm interested in e-commerce, does not does not mean that I will come, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so you lose twice, right. really. Exactly. So so I, I was thinking, all right, then. But I look at other conferences, and they are actually not very deep in terms of the content. What do you right? mean? What do you mean by deep? Okay, so you have a you know two day conference. Every half hour, you talk about something, but you don't really dive deep into, you know, the content ma- matter. Yeah, fair enough. Right? Okay, I just want to make you sure. You put a few, yeah, you put, you know, a few, you know, uh, all right, a few panelists, and they, they have so much knowledge, but you're only limiting them to half an hour, maybe 45 minutes on the outside. Yeah. Right? 
Okay, and then the next session is about let, let's say we you know uh, we talk about e-commerce. Then the next session we talk about fintech, or the next session we talk about something else, right? So there isn't the depth of knowledge. So in the end, what happened is you attend one, and every event looks the same. It sure does, doesn't it? All right. So I'm thinking, how then can we you know dive deeper into content, and thereby building you know the 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 the, the uh, engagement, right? So um, so I started you know drawing up this plan called TechFest, right? And it was partly also because of a of a challenge, a bet that I had with some people. Right? I said, look, you know, so in Vietnam, you know, right, the, the ecosystem happened in Ho Chi Minh City and Hanoi. So, you know, back then, four or five years ago, you know, it's not as cohesive as it is now, right? No. Nope. Nope. And so the challenge is like, hey, listen, why don't we do it? You know, uh, I call it a tech orgy. Right. Why don't we do a tech orgy where everybody comes, you know, and everybody will, you know, go to what they like and then the, and, and then they are able to filter into, you know, other areas, you know, within the whole tech ecosystem. And I, no, 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 you're not able to do that. I said, you know, watch me. So, you know, again, you know, the, the fact that, you know, not knowing is, is has been serving me quite well. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So I started planning, you know, looking, you know, um, yeah, you know, talking to people, attending even more events to understand, you know, the, the, the dynamics of, you know, organizing such events. And I got introduced to one, um, one officer of Ministry of Science and Technology. So happened that they went to slush and it was something that for the first time they saw something, you know, at that grand scale. Right. And they wanted to do something similar. So at slush, uh, from what I've been told, you know, has different camps, different, uh, different areas, right? And so when they saw my proposal, they said, wow, this is something that, you know, we need to do together. I said, okay, fine. But obviously we couldn't, you know, and that was back in 20, uh, beginning of 2015. Yep. So we couldn't immediately, you know, go to what we wanted to do. So we had to, you know, start small, you know, and build, build things up. The first one was, uh, so finally, you know, they, they, uh, yeah, they, they put up the money and they did it. So basically I, uh, yeah, so they organized the event and it was done at a university, really scrappy, you know, um, under hot sun, 38 degrees. We pulled that off. Uh, 2016, we did that again at a better venue at a hotel. Right. So, so right after the event, we said, all right, let's do, you know, what, we discuss, you know, from the beginning. And by that time, you know, they were confident enough that, uh, it was able to be pulled off. And so far they've been just fantastic, you know, from a government, uh, institu- uh, institution standpoint, they've been very open and collaborative throughout. And this year, uh, so la- so last year we had it in November and it was broken down into five main verticals. Right. Right. So the, the, the whole day for two days, we talked about these five verticals. Right. And the interesting thing is, so obviously the last few years, you know, this whole thing about frontier tech, AI, VR, you know, come into play. And again, you go to conferences, you listen to a few, you know, panelists talking about them without really, you know, diving deep in what this whole application is about. Yeah. I call, okay, I call frontier tech and fintech as tools 
because in 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 any pro, um, vertical you are in, you need to sell. You need to have a you know some form of payment, right? So we so I had the vertical, uh, the five verticals: uh, education, medical, agriculture, community. Um, help me out. What was the other one? Um, anyway, five verticals, and but fintech and frontier tech ran through horizontally all five verticals. Right. So you, tourism, right? Med tech, emerging tech, oh, yeah, tech tourism, agri-tech yeah, and community, tourism. right? So all these things are really important. Exactly. Right. For, for like for med tech, for example, right? Yep. How do you use, you know, um, AR to help, you know, uh, in, in, uh, or AI, to, you know, to help process, you know, medical records, exactly. for example, what's the real application? So we managed to find people that know things like this. And directly, you know, uh, speak on the application of such, you know, great technology instead of just, you know, uh, skimping through, you know, the, the, you know, some, yeah, top line figures. Right. Yeah. So, so that was good. And, uh, so for, so for some figures, first year we had a little under a thousand people that attended. <laughs> Second year, about 1500. This year we had, Close to four thousand that came. I love so, it. So you've grown four yeah. times in three years, which is pretty incredible, yeah. right? Yeah. So obviously, you know, more uh, the expectations uh, uh, are growing, but uh, yeah, I mean, there'll be a time when you know somebody else has to take over this whole platform, right? It would be quite sad if I have to run it or help run it all the time. And and you know, but I I, I think again, it's moving in the right direction. And, uh, I, you know, I think TechFest is just going to grow. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, look, you've, you've been obviously involved in building a whole bunch of things from scratch. And I think one of the things that we talked about when we first met was that, like you said, the desire not to be an investor or a venture capitalist, which you could do easily, but to be like building the entire community from a much higher level, right? Mm-hmm. And whether it starts with Hub IT, but into the Founders Institute and into Topica, this TechFest, obviously over the past three years has turned into something really large and really important. And that, that's mm-hmm. awesome, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. I mean, the whole idea is that, all right, we can try it. We may fail, we may succeed. But if the failure means yes, back at the starting point, then it's no failure. No, because the not. upside is if you, you know, even if you have minor successes, you are still moving the needle. That's all I'm, you know, that's all I, uh, you know, I, I care about that, you know, things, you know, uh, we move needles. Yeah. Okay. Look, this was perfect. This is exactly what I wanted to talk about today. And I really appreciate your time, particularly after the watershed night you had last night at the Founders Institute and setting up potential funding for your graduating companies. Like you said, that's not been done anywhere else in the world. So that's pretty incredible. I want to just, I want to stop now so we can sort of set up for having the next conversation. We'll check in again later, but I really wanted to thank you for just taking the time, particularly after a long day of just sitting mm-hmm. down with us and talking to us, Bobby. That was really fabulous. No, no worries. Thank you very much. I just hope we have touched 5% of the subject matter. We haven't even gotten close. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't even, you know that between you and me, we haven't yeah. even gotten close. I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you All so right. much. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks. Thanks for having time for me. And, um, yeah, anytime, you know, ping me for, for whatever. And if you're ever in Hanoi, well, you know who to call. Absolutely. And this goes out to everyone out there. Absolutely. That's, that's what you are, right? That's what you do. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Right. Thanks, Bobby. Mm-hmm. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show.